Hello and welcome to the Pleasure Collective podcast. This podcast will help you to create a desire-driven, pleasure-led life, uncover the absolute gold that exists in your motherhood experience, and create synergy in blending motherhood and business. I'm your host, Regan Fig, wife and mama to three little wildlings, author of A Mother's Pleasure, and coach and mentor to women who want to create what they desire with pleasure. I'm honored to have you invest your time, energy, and attention in listening into the podcast. And I acknowledge the custodians of the land on which this podcast is recorded and produced, the Wadi Wadi people of Darawa land. Now let's dive in. Chapter 7. Self-care and its insufficiencies. Right now, post-pandemic, when we are further isolated from community and carrying more than we ever have before, the idea that simply doing more self-care activities like getting massages and, in quotations, taking 15 minutes a day for yourself, does little to ease or resolve how a lot of us are feeling. What do we need to surrender to a more sustainable pace of life? Safety. What do we need to be to feel calm? Resourced. What do we need in order to sink into a level of intimacy? Connection. We've got 99 problems and a list of self-care to-dos is one of them. You might have noticed there's a lot of messaging, shouting, self-care, self-care at mothers, like it's some magic key to living in mamahood bliss. In reality, it's insufficient and insulting. The self-care paradox. Chances are you've had your fair share of phases of consuming and following the self-care story. Perhaps you've been left still depleted or exhausted with a feeling of failure for not doing self-care right and a drop or maybe an overwhelming amount of guilt, feeling like you shouldn't have spent time on yourself. For mothers in our society, self-care is like another tightrope we are trying to walk. We're conditioned to believe that doing anything for ourselves is a luxury, and yet it's also expected that we take the initiative to prioritise self-care. And if we're having a hard time, emotionally, physically or mentally, then we obviously aren't taking enough care of ourselves. This paradoxical expectation doesn't take into account the invisible barriers that prevent a mother from giving herself permission for pleasure, nor does it factor in the weight of carrying what should be a community responsibility on her own. I see the opportunity for this generation of mothers to undo this societal conditioning within themselves and their households and eradicate the burden of it entirely for the next generation. The mother's self-care cocktail served up by our patriarchal society is a mix of 1. Responsibility, as community care isn't normalised or often available. 2. A splash of ownership, it's on you to be okay. 3. A pinch of pressure, to accentuate the aforementioned responsibility and ownership. 4. Failure, for flavour, when we don't get the balancing act right. 5. A big squeeze of guilt, for the lifetime of socialisation that reminds us we shouldn't need anything for ourselves. I don't have the answers for creating a supportive community for mothers, but what we can do to change the culture is work within ourselves. The value of pleasure. Here's what I know for sure. Pleasure makes the heavy lighter. It makes the dark brighter. It makes the monotonous enjoyable. It makes the boring desirable. And it's not finite. More pleasure for yourself does not equal less pleasure for someone else. Pleasure is something we could all use more of right now. 
to make whatever shit show we're in a little less shit, or to make the good times even better. Next, we're going to point one, look at why self-care prescription alone doesn't work. Point two, demystify the limitations or obstacles to self-care in our society. Point three, explore ways to make the foundations of self-care not a list, but a lifestyle, in order to feel fueled and cup-filled, not solely to, in quotations, be a better mama, but to have a better life for yourself and your family. The new normal. I hope in years to come, when our children become parents, there will be no need for this chapter. I hope there will be much greater value placed on mothers and therefore greater societal support for them, so they can nurture themselves and the next generation. I hope that by reading this book and letting go of your self-care in quotation dilemmas, which we'll cover further in this chapter, you won't unknowingly pass them on to your children, so they will be free of such burden conditioning to begin with. I hope that a mother looking after herself and being looked after by others will be the most natural assumed way of being, without the feeling it must be earned or fought for, and without overwhelming guilt attached. It will simply be the way it is, the way it was always meant to be. I hope that taking care of ourselves once we've become mothers will be considered as necessary as sleeping, using the toilet, eating, and washing ourselves, which, especially in the early mothering years, can often be put on the bottom of the needs list after the needs of others, and even seen as self-care activities instead of the basic needs that they are. I hope that anything that might seem on the more, in quotations, decadent end of the self-care spectrum will be less about special occasions or reviving ourselves from depletion and more about supporting ourselves day to day. Creating a lifestyle over a list of to-dos. Instead of adding the traditional self-care prescription or to-do list to our already overflowing plate, what if we simply committed to one question regularly through whatever it is we're already showing up to? What if we were able to ask ourselves on repeat, how can I make this pleasurable? Once you start to ask this question on the regular, it will feel less like an exercise in self-indulgence and more like a simple way of lighting up your life and the lives of others. As the first step, I invite you to start putting your basic needs first. Point one, pee when you need to pee. Point two, drink when you're thirsty. Point three, eat when you're hungry. Point four, go to bed when you're tired, when you can. This was one of the very first things I started with when I was recovering from postnatal depression, anxiety and insomnia. If you had told me before becoming a mother that one of my, in quotations, self-care practices was going to be taking myself to the toilet or getting myself a drink when I needed it, I wouldn't have believed you. Before becoming a mother, I'd spent over a decade practicing and teaching yoga and meditation. I had great awareness of my body. I'm an exercise physiologist. I've studied neurology, physiology, and biology. I knew about the hormonal changes and physiology of pregnancy and birth and the neurology of the mama brain but none of it helped me to maintain my mental and emotional well-being. I'd also worked as a health and wellness coach for years, so I knew the importance of healthy eating and exercise, but I had a lot more trouble than I expected looking after myself while looking after my son, and it got to the point where I was not meeting my most basic of needs. This was where I started my rehabilitation. Not to say that you need rehabilitating, but chances are if you've fallen in love with your child and you've just gotten them to sleep on you, likely, it will be really easy to not question that status quo and place your needs on the back burner. A well mother. You might have come across the tongue-in-cheek joke that gets passed around on socials. 
Something along the lines of, sleep when the baby sleeps. Okay, sure, and I'll clean when the baby cleans. It's popular culture memes and jokes like this that demonstrate our society's lack of value towards mothers and illuminate an undercurrent of cultural expectations, societal norms, and general collective disregard for a mother's well-being. It doesn't take long to notice the message everywhere in our society that having a clean home is more important than having a well-rested mother. We also see it in the way mothers are matter-of-fact about prioritizing household chores over time spent with their children, but to prioritize something for themselves over their children in the same way is laced with guilt. It's possible to get to the point where a mother's satiation of self is just as imperative as having clean dishes to use and clean clothes to wear. Might we begin to consider the value a well mother has in our society over a clean house? And yet, that is one of the yardsticks of being a, in quotations, good mother, being a good housekeeper. In reality, they are two completely different roles. Weaving in self-care. While society can seem to encourage mothers to, in quotations, sleep when the baby sleeps, it's the absence of respect and value for motherhood that modern mums hear the loudest. With minimal support systems and a lack of closely connected community, mothers don't feel resourced enough to factor in self-care, and so it gets pushed to the side. And the idea that time, space, and energy are all required for self-care persists. So, instead of the standard lecture on, in quotations, self-care, self-care, we will explore some of the barriers to self-care and pleasure, along with some invaluable, practical ways to weave pleasure into your days, with or without your children around. No babysitters required, no extra time, no extra money, no feeling exhausted just from juggling the self-care scheduling amongst everything else. Just the pure and simple receiving of self-care and pleasure that is actually going to fulfill you, feel effortless, and become a lifestyle over a list of to-dos. You'll learn how to weave in self-care when you feel as though you are under-resourced, under-supported, and only just keeping your head above water. Chances are you already have a full plate. Though me just giving you a list of self-care practices isn't going to work, and here's why. I'm not a gambling woman, but I bet that you're a smart woman, and I bet you already know self-care activities that would be helpful to you right now. So, there must be reasons why you're not doing those things. I invite you to consider this, and maybe jot down what comes up for you in your journal. Might I offer you a suggestion? Might it be that there is a multitude of inner beliefs that prevent you from weaving self-care into your life on the regular? And might this be due to past conditioning, what you have previously been told, shown, or advised by society, other mothers, or your own mother? Might there be unconscious programming playing out in your mind that you're not aware of? A programming that's ever so subtly preventing you from taking action and actually doing those self-care things. And perhaps you've structured your whole life around those programs or stories without ever reflecting on whether you believe them or not. If you don't believe them, he will have the chance to delete them from our programming and replace them with new programs that contribute to filling our cup to overflow. We often don't do enough self-care because it is presented in our masculine society as another list of things we have to, in quotations, do and schedule in. Another thing that we feel like we, in quotations, should be doing more of. And if we're not, we feel a sense of failure. What is actually required to shift this thinking is an entire new culture where self-care is not separate from the way we move through life. It shifts from being a thing that needs to be completed to the way we be, like a golden thread in the tapestry of our life. 
It becomes part of your lifestyle once you start to update your past programming. Just like showering and brushing your teeth, it becomes non-negotiable. It isn't about luxury or having earned it. It's just something that you do. The barriers. Here's what I've experienced and what I see in the world of mothering and self-care. Even though we know what's, in quotations, good for us, what makes us feel resourced, energized, and fueled? We often don't do it due to a number of things. So let's begin to explore what can get in the way of us being devoted to self-care, pleasure, and the things that bring us enjoyment and fill our cup. Can you relate to any of these? Point one, deeply held cultural beliefs of what a good mother is and what a good mother does and doesn't do. For example, a good mother is with her children 24-7 or a good mother puts her children first always or a good mother has a tidy home. I think we can agree that these kind of beliefs are outdated, untrue and unhelpful in experiencing life through a lens of ecstasy. Point two, expectations placed on ourselves by ourselves based on our pre-mama identity. Perhaps an identity where we were high achievers, productive, independent and the capitalist version of successful, which can be really unachievable and unattainable in this whole new construct that is motherhood. Point three, society's representation and stereotyping of a good mother through the media. Point four, the Madonna-Whore dichotomy that is subtly infused in patriarchal society, where a mother is perceived as either the pure, chaste, in quotations, good Madonna mother figure, or the immoral, promiscuous, in quotations, bad whore mother. This social undercurrent acts as a judgmental gatekeeper, often preventing mothers from being open to and claiming their birthright to pleasure, sensuality, and sexuality. We break down this dichotomy by merging the two as we continue to express our full-spectrum selves as mothers. Point 5. The Martyr Mother Unconsciously believing that we must sacrifice the things that matter to us most in order to participate in self-care, let alone self-pleasure. Point 6. An overwhelming sense of guilt, selfishness, or shame when we do go ahead and take part in self-care. This can lead to choosing something that society views as productive over pleasurable or opting out of self-care altogether due to the discomfort. Point 7. We unconsciously default to prioritizing our time according to what our culture deems important or expected of a mother, leaving minimal time available for enjoyment or pleasure. Point 8. Not knowing what would even feel good or fill your cup anymore. Hopefully, we covered that in Redefine Desire. The good news is that when you begin to make the unconscious conscious and peel back some of the layers that hold you from self-care as a way of life, you can start to understand what is creating friction. You can begin to identify where the resistance is coming from, neutralize it, let go of it, and create new narratives that align with you leading a fueled, pleasureful life. It will make participating in self-care practices not just something that you do now and then, but a lifestyle. Loving ourselves. In this chapter, we will begin to dismantle the common self-care dilemmas that mothers face, and later in the book, you will learn how following desires that direct you to pleasure is not simply self-care, but a tool for self-discovery and personal growth, helping you return home to your whole, satiated self. On one hand, I want to help you do all of the self-care things, and on the other hand, I want to throw the term in the bin completely and say that these things should just be ways of life. 
My stance on self-care is that it's really important for a mother to do things that nourish her body, mind, and soul. But simply telling a mother to do more self-care ignores a reality that prevents her from doing so in the first place. I'm not talking about barriers of time, energy, or money. I'm talking about the way she feels about herself, her feelings of not having earned the self-care, the sense that there are always more, in quotations, important things to do than be kind, gentle, and loving towards herself, because this is what she's been taught over her lifetime. So here's what we'll do. We'll begin with some really simple ways to uncover our relationship to loving ourselves. I'll use the term self-care, and we'll explore and unravel hopefully most, if not all, of the things that are preventing you from moving from the old paradigm of a self-care to-do list that is rarely visited to a place where loving yourself is a lifestyle. This is also a good practice for fostering a great relationship with your body where pleasure lies. Many women find that they are quite disconnected from their bodies, which means they're disconnected from pleasure, as we know from our Summoning Your Sensuality chapter. So know that as you start to listen for your body's messages, you will have the opportunity to honour those messages, which builds that connection with your body and allows you to further practice meeting your needs and desires. Demonstrate your worth, know your value. When we honour our needs and desires, it demonstrates to the world the standard at which we are to be treated. It shows our children what to expect should they become mothers, fathers, partners, friends and community members. When we begin to put self-pleasure over the dishes, it sets an example for those we live with. When we honour our boundaries and say no to someone, we show them how boundaries can be respected. When we step aside and leave the things that we thought we had to do, it gives others the opportunity to step up and provides us with evidence that we are supported. Now we've gotten familiar with some of the whys, in the next chapters we will look at the how. Let me just tell you, it's going to change your life, improve your relationships and the energy in your household, and loosen those tight binds of societal suppression, not just for yourself, but for society as a whole. Hello, culture change. Here are your practices for this chapter. Activity 1. Honour your needs. Listen to and honour your basic needs immediately. Example, pee when you need to pee. Note, your needs are needs, not pleasures. We start here at ground zero, learning how to honour our basic needs before moving on to removing obstacles to our pleasures. Notice any resistance that comes up in your mind and jot it down. Not for the purpose of judgement, but for the purpose of knowing what programs are installed so that you can delete, update, reprogram, and upgrade if you desire. Example, all the children need to be fed first before I can sit down to eat. Notice it, jot it down, and see it as an interesting idea. We'll explore how we can untangle and remove it as an obstacle in the next chapter. Activity 2. Add to your feel-good guide. Remember to add to your feel-good guide. What things that feel like self-pleasure are available to you? perhaps without requiring a babysitter, more money or time, a clean house first, etc. Here are some experiences that nourish the feminine to get you started. Nurture in nature. Ocean swims. Nature walks. Hot cuppers in the sun. Music and movement. Pram or baby carrier walk while listening to an audiobook, music or a podcast. Moving your body in any way that feels good. Connection and friendship going grocery shopping or to the markets with friends, cooking or doing chores with friends, attending a women's circle, nourishment and body care, 
fresh sheets, face masks, a warming bev after a long night comforting your littles. Quote, Pleasure makes the heavy lighter. It makes the dark brighter. It makes the monotonous enjoyable. It makes the boring desirable. All right, my love, before I wrap up this episode, listen in because I have an epic freebie coming in January. It's called The Motherload and it's all about uncovering the absolute gold that already exists in your motherhood experience. It's a week-long journey live with me to strike gold in motherhood, not by getting lucky, not by trying harder or getting more organized, not by changing your children's behavior or your personal circumstances. We uncover the gold that's already there for you to feel alive and lighter and soothed and in total reverence of the riches in your life. It's completely free and you'll leave with tangible treasure-finding skills and practical, simple strategies. Make sure you go to the show notes for the sign-up link. Again, it's completely free and you're invited. It's been my pleasure to offer my book to you in a really accessible way. If you're loving the podcast and audiobook episodes, please do me a massive favor and share it with a friend or on your socials and leave a five-star review wherever you get your podcast. You can also order a have-in-your-hands copy from any good bookstores or your favorite bookselling online retailer. In pleasure. Bye for now.